0: Uh, it's wonderful. Hey, why don't we just look to God and just wait on Him as we come around the Word tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you created us for community. For community with you, but also with one another. And God, I pray that you would take us on a journey again and again and again to perfect that community within us that we may be a city on a hill and reflect the light of Christ in the way that we love one another, the way that we care for each other, the way that we honour one another. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be a beacon of hope to the world around what authentic community really looks like. I pray for people that are feeling isolated here Tonight, that feel even as they come into service, they still feel a sense of disconnection or loneliness. Lord, I pray that here tonight, you would open their hearts to receive a word that would help them to step back into community. And that, God, where people have felt they've needed to build up walls, I pray that in love, those walls would be taken down tonight. I pray for people that are anxious about that, that feel nervous about that, and I thank you, Lord, that your calming presence comes the Holy Spirit would come and lay his hands on people's shoulders here tonight. And we thank you, Lord, that you're doing a great work in us as a movement, but Lord God, as a church in Sydney, to reach this great city so that people can find genuine, authentic community, a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, and discover their God-given purpose to live for you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. We honour you and worship you. You are so good. We love you. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good. Hey, I'm going to come down here. Is that okay? All right. Thank you, worship team. You're amazing. It's good. Is that too close? I feel like I've invaded some people's personal space. I hope not. I do that quite a lot, actually. I'm all about the hugs and not the drugs. All right. Proverbs 18.1 says this, that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolation is really dangerous. And uh, tonight we're, we're sharing around this idea of being confident in community. And, and not only creating a community that creates confidence for people to engage in community, and I think that we, we do that really well as a community of God across all our locations, but that also we ourselves would be confident to step into community. I think too long and and too often that the, the Christian faith is seen from a personal experience and an individualistic experience that we might engage in community and go to a local church at times, but we have forgotten the importance and purpose of community and that indeed we were created for community. That the Christian experience is not meant to be an isolated relationship with Jesus. That Jesus always destined it to be found and perfected in the absolute completion of community. That it is only in community you'll really discover who Christ is. You will not discover who Christ is by yourself. He can show you part of who he is. You can have wonderful time with him in terms of your own personal devotion, but that ultimately he is always calling us back to a community of God that he can fully perfect what he's doing us in us through community. Through community. I uh, believe it or not, am a reasonably introverted person. Um, I did my. Have you ever heard of Myers Briggs? It's like a big test personality kind of thing and it tells you whether you're extroverted or introverted and and an extroverted person is generally that person that's outgoing they're the one that goes and talks to all the people and I certainly am extroverted but I am one percent extroverted apparently (laughs) which means I'm kind of just in this weird place where I'm extroverted and introverted and a lot of that has to do with the type of work I do I work with a lot of people and so when I get home I don't generally want to talk to people, I want to go into my cave, and um, but God has given me really great companions, and uh, I have been tempted in the past, particularly when things get rough, I am the type of person who will not push in, I will generally be more comfortable, and I think a lot of us are, to our first step is not to push in, just like our first step is not necessarily to push into God, human nature often wants to pull us away, and, and I will be honest with you, that is generally where I start to head. And so when I'm going through issues around my own life, whether it be depression, anxiety, frustrations, or just disappointments, I have to be careful that I don't isolate myself. But what I've done is I've actually set up a parameter in my world that stops that from happening by letting my friends know that I do that. And so what happens is, is my friends generally will pick up when I'm starting to isolate And I'll get a call from my good friend, Greg, and he'll be, Jimmy, we're going fishing. And I'll be like, ah, it's all good, man. It's a bit cold. I'm just hanging out with him. But he can read behind all the bull dust and be like, Jimmy, we're going fishing. You need community. There's nothing wrong with with, with withdrawing. There's nothing wrong with that. You need times of isolation. I think on the one sense we're saying we need to community to understand ourselves, but on the other sense it's true you do need isolation to understand yourself at times. And there is times to withdraw. But when we make that a habit in our world, particularly a habit as a response to pain, I think that's an unhealthy thing. I think withdrawing should be from a place of strength, that you want to go and hang out, but God is calling you back. You're feeling in a great place to be in community, but God is saying, hang on, just wait. Let me talk to you. I want to take you aside. You're right in the bang smack in the middle of ministry. You could keep pushing, keep going. And when I say ministry, I don't mean pulpit ministry. I mean the ministry of the church, doing your nine to five, loving people, working through everything, family, all of that. When you're in that zone, there is a temptation to keep going, keep going. But God will call you aside every now and then. And that's healthy. Healthy. What we're talking about is the unhealthy response to fear, timidity, anxiety, depression, the pace of life, all of these things, and we withdraw. And Jesus, I think, shares an interesting parable that is really the context of it is about a unsaved person coming to Christ or back to Christ and really about reaching the lost. But I think within the parable, within the story, we actually see an image that God is showing us about the power and danger of isolation. He said this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Sorry, this is Luke 15, if you want to turn there, otherwise it will come up on the screen. We're all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, of course, again, this is the context of the sheep coming back to the shepherd. But I have to tell you, in order for the sheep to walk away from the shepherd, it first had to walk away from the flock. I remember driving back, uh, recently we went out to Forbes. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's an interesting place. Um but we were driving through the country and uh, there was this kind of like um, paddock and this dusty road and there was a feeding station. You know, like they had those big things and just kind of grain going out of it. And there was these lines of like thousands of sheep just running, just, just just following each other. It was so cute. Just coming down to this feeding station. And as much as we talk about the sheep following the shepherd, let me tell you, sheep follow sheep. There is something about a comfort that a sheep has within its flock. And so for in order for the one to leave the 99, it was not just about the one walking away from the shepherd. It was about the one walking away from the flock. And my experience as a pastor and loving people and caring for people is generally people don't stop following Jesus. They stop coming to community. Then they stop following Jesus. There is a danger in us isolating from each other. We need each other. We are created for community. 1 Corinthians twelve twelve says this, For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. I love this. I think we need to broaden our understanding of what baptism means. Baptism is about a full immersion, a surrender to this. I'm actually going to get some baptizers up for a second. Dorian and and, uh, Leon, sorry, brain work. There it is. Love these guys. Okay, so they're going to baptize me. You see, the, the symbol of baptism, although it is a spiritual act, Right. Although when we get baptized and baptize people, it is a spiritual act. There is something happening in the supernatural. It is also a physical reflection to the community for what is happening right now in this person's life in relation to their connection to Jesus, their connection to the Spirit, but their connection to community. Because what happens is I come and I get baptized to surrender my life to Christ but then they're going to dunk me in a second and they're going to dunk me into the water, which is a representation of my absolute need for the Holy Spirit, that as I'm baptized into Christ, they're keen. It's right. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. As I'm baptized into Christ and baptized into the Spirit, I put my trust into a community. Now, don't drop me. There you go. Now, I can go back now. Oh, I don't know. Am I good? Do you need to hold me down any longer? Some people you've got to hold down just a little bit longer. <laughs> My pastor held me down for just, just, I was like gasping for air when I came up. But it's good. Hey, thank these guys. They're awesome. But these symbols are powerful. And if we're not careful, we'll just turn these into religious experiences and fail to see what is happening in the spiritual and the reality of the physical. That we are not just baptizing people into Christ. We're not just baptizing people into this individualistic relationship that as long as they've got the Holy Spirit, they'll be fine. No, what we're saying is, what Jesus, what Paul is saying is, you are ba- just as you were baptized into Christ, you have been, not will be, have been baptized into a body. For the early church to be baptized into a relationship with Jesus was at the same time instantaneously baptized into a community. That's why Paul says, how can the hand say to the foot, I have no need of you? It's not saying that that is like, we've sometimes uh, interpreted that as if, hey, everyone's important. How can the hand say to the foot, just because you're a foot? No, no, no. What it's saying is you need each other. How can a hand just go off and walk off? It wouldn't be a hand anymore. It'd be a dead hand. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Paul's point is so important for us to catch. You see, we want everyone in our church to find community. And in our services, we get to worship God. We get to see people come to know Jesus. And yes, we get to fellowship. And when we gather in our services, this is part of us finding community. But can I tell you that you can be in church and in a church service and still be isolated? In fact, there are people here tonight who are in church, but I know you're isolated. You come to a service, you might come late. You leave a little bit early. And you go home. And, and the crazy thing is, you're crying out, Lord, please help. You get home, you turn on the TV, you turn it off, you go to bed, you say, Lord, please help. You do it again. And then you come to church as if something's going to shift and change. But the issue is you're failing to see that actually the answer is not you praying more. The answer is you opening your life and saying, I need to get connected here today. What you actually need is Jesus. Yeah, but you need a community that can represent Christ and actually live out, help you live out your faith. It's so important. We're created for community. I remember coming to church for so long, and I was so insecure, and and I would turn up, and I'd be serving, and all of that, but I knew I was isolated, and I needed people in my life to pull me into community. I needed leaders in my life to pull me into community, to help me stay connected. My concern is at times, I think we kind of get half-truths, and we're failing to see the full picture. You see, you can come to church and be isolated, but in a small group of friends doing this life together, we find care, encouragement, and an openness to grow. It is when we are part of a connect group that we really find the power of community. And can I encourage connect groups to do that? To care? To pray with each other? Yes, hang out. Have a, I don't know, coffee, drinking, I don't know. What do people do these days? I'm too busy. Uh, Football, watching, running, cycling, motorbike riding, connect group. Do it all. But care for each other and pray and, and be open to one another. John said that whoever confesses their sin, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. In community, we find healing as we're open in our lives and say, hey, I haven't got it all together and I need some help here. And you'll find genuine, authentic care and love. Amen. The enemy will use devices to divide and isolate and destroy community. That scripture I shared before, the Hebrews 10, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he is Who is promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir one another up to good to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For the early church, the thing that divided community was persecution. These were people that were being persecuted by the Roman empire because they were connecting together and there were this new crazy thing called the way. And they were talking about this man that died and was resurrected, but Caesar's meant to be Lord, Caesar's meant to be king. And these guys are saying this, so they're facing persecution. At the same time, they've come out of an old relationship, old community, with, with, with their Hebrew faith and all their Hebrew brothers and sisters and family members are now trying to persecute them because they've gone away and they're now following Jesus and saying, he is the Lord, he is the Messiah. So they're facing intense persecution. And what that had done is it had stopped the believers coming together. And if you keep reading on, it tells the, the warning of that. It says, it talks about this 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 area in people's lives that would get them to a place where they would completely disconnect from God. And, and the writer of Hebrew is desperately pleading with them, do not. Stop meeting together because this persecution that's trying to drive you apart, you need to resist it, fight against it and keep turning up. Because as soon as you stop meeting together, don't worry about the persecution, you're already dead. You need each other. Now, we don't face persecution like that in this nation. But the thing that divides us is just as divisive, but a little bit more sneaky. The things that divide us are things like the pace of life. Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. This unsustainable pace of life is driving us into a rhythm of life that is leading to burnout. Physical burnout, emotional burnout, and relational burnout. We have to fight against the pace of life that tries to pull us away and prioritize community. I'm telling you, there is just something happening all the time, knocking, knocking, knocking on our attention, knocking on our time, knocking on everything. And the, the, the real tempting thing is to say this, I don't have time. You have time. And if you don't have time, you need to make time. If Sundays are getting busy because work is calling, sometimes you just gotta make the call and not work on Sunday, and say, I'm going to prioritize community. Yeah. If you've been doing too much during the week, and playing this, and doing this, and doing this, and you say, I'd love to be in a connect group, but I don't have time, sometimes you've got to take stock of your life, and prioritize community. Because I'm telling you, in community is where life is. In this busyness, it's very, very easy to get distracted by noise. But I want to let you know that the Holy Spirit will cut through that noise and help you to see. So when you think of people this week, call them. Because when they're thinking of them, the Holy Spirit's putting, and you will find that just as we call people and reach through and cut through the busyness to stop and to prioritize, we find the isolation bleed will stop. We can create community by coming to church, leading a connect group. Hey, host a group. Can I tell you one issue for Sydney right now is there's a lot of young people that want to get together, but it's really hard to have all your friends over to your two-bedroom unit. But some of you might own some beautiful big homes that are getting a little bit empty because the kids are kind of starting to leave and you're getting a little bit lonely and nest. Hey, open up your home and say, hey, come and have a connect group here. We want all these people. Just come and do it. Let's be a community that helps create community. I'm almost out of time. Goodness me. Very good. All right, I'm going to pick which one I'm going to focus on. No, hardly. I would never do that to you. All right, we'll we'll, we'll go to this one and then we'll see how we go. How about that? All right, I wanna talk to you by the next thing that divides us, I think is insecurity. I believe that we are a church community that makes community easy. I wanna let you know that. When I came to this church, man, I felt so accepted, so loved, so cared for immediately. So I think we do this well, but I think we can always be more intentional to be gracious, big-spirited, and inclusive. And as we go forward, we will reach all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life, and we need to be people that see people and include people. But sometimes here's the reality, the opportunity to connect is there. We have a beautiful, gracious, big-spirited community waiting, but our own insecurities hold us back from stepping in and opening up. And so what we do is we can intentionally avoid, meaning that we actually choose to not connect because we have this thing in us, this insecurity in us that tells us that we're not good enough, that they don't really want to be with us. They wouldn't really understand my walk of life. They wouldn't really understand what's going on. And so that we will will step back. And that's been my issue in my past, is this sense of not fitting in, of not being good enough. But I want to let you know that it's a lie from the pit of hell. Insecurity and social anxiety can cause us to isolate, but this isolation will only heighten the insecurity. Community creates confidence. As you are brave and make the step, you will find people that will show you kindness, that will show you support and show you acceptance. And the very thing you're afraid of happening, you will find the complete opposite. It's like when you got on a roller coaster for the first time. Does anyone hate heights and not real good with those kind of things? Okay, thank you, sir. You're like one of the first men that I've ever been able to share this with who's actually said, Yes, I do too. <laughs> Come on, good. So, but here's the thing when you were little and you're coming up to it, your dad or mom or cousin or auntie or whoever will be like, "No, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it." And you're like, "I'm not gonna love it. This is gonna be horrible." No, you're gonna love it. And this is sometimes what it's like when we're trying to connect with people. I don't want to talk to them. This is gonna be horrible. What have I gonna talk about? What am I gonna do? They're gonna look at my home, look at my clothes, look at all these things. Look, they look so good. Those C3 people, man, they're so slick. And look, he's in his denim jacket. And rah, rah, rah. It must be a uniform or something. And I don't know. And so, and we we have all these thoughts, right? The roller coaster is gonna be horrible when you get on get to the top, you're freaking out, but then you go, and you get to the end, and your immediate response, let's do it again. Let's do it again. That was awesome. That was scary as heck, but that was awesome. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. What you will find is if you can push through that barrier of fear and insecurity, in that the very answer to that insecurity is in the community, because out of it, they will put confidence in you, they'll put faith in you, and they will accept you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. So before you get into community, stop, pray, be absolutely confident and take a step. Call someone, say, let's get coffee. And they go, oh, I don't have time. And you're like, see, told you. No, try again. Call someone. Oh, they didn't have time. See, you know, you got to keep pushing. Sometimes you just got to keep pushing. When my wife and I had kids and suddenly our whole context changed, we're like, oh my gosh, we have no friends anymore. We don't know who to connect with. Where are we going to sit at Sunday today? We went in, we said, them, them, and them. That's who we want to hang out with. We called them that week and we went and had dinner and now we're best friends. We go on holidays every year. You got to push in and make the effort. And I'm telling you, if you will push through, God will be with you. Now, there's another side of this though. Sometimes we avoid unintentionally and it comes from our insecurity. And what I'm talking about is some of these areas in our lives that repel people. And we want to connect, but for some reason, every relationship doesn't work out and we get into this relationship and we go, what's wrong with people? Every flipping relation, what is wrong with these people? And sometimes we have to stop and just ask the question, maybe it's me. Maybe there's something that I'm doing. Maybe maybe there's something within me that is pushing people away. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is if you give him time and you ask him, he will reveal something to you. And the beautiful thing about coming and opening your life to someone and saying, hey, I think this is an issue. It brings that stuff up into the light. And suddenly you can work on it together. And if someone does come in the next couple of weeks, because maybe someone's someone's feeling that right now, and says to you, hey, I feel like maybe I repel people sometimes or some of my behavior doesn't help me in my relationship. That's not your chance to go, you're right. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting to tell you. No, that's me. Wow, really? That's interesting. Hey, let's work on that together. Let's do this better, huh? Let's help. Break down any walls that are isolating us, whether we are creating them out of our own fear and anxiety or that we are creating them out of our own behaviors and areas in our lives that we need to grow in. But we are all on a journey of growing and we want to do this better. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Hey, I just got, I swear that was six minutes ago. (laughs) Wow, the sun stood still. It was amazing. It's good. Disappointment and distrust you know what? We don't always find the support. We don't always find the acceptance we were looking for. There's a realness to that. As much as we want to grow, sometimes we just find that community has let us down. And it does. It absolutely does. When our expectations of this community are not met, we are left with two options. To to, to stop trusting and trying, or to forgive and to try again. I love this scripture, Colossians 3.13. I tell my wife this every morning. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive one another who offends you. She's brilliant. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive each other. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Make allowances for each other. Make room. We're not all going to get this right. Your beautiful pastors won't always get it right. But you need to know how much they love you. You need to know how much you love each other and just forget about it. It's all right. And, and we do our very best in this church if someone causes genuine, genuine, like hurt and are genuinely a person that needs to fix their life because we, we talk to them. Heck, we'll, we'll, we'll boot them out if we have to. But I would, I would say that most people don't wake up in the morning deciding how they can hurt one another. But we do make mistakes. So we need to make allowances for each other. We are a community made up of individuals that are pushing towards perfection, but that are far from attaining it. We have to forgive and remember, as I am being changed, so are the people I fellowship. So here's some safe assumptions. Assume they will get it wrong and manage your expectations. And here's the other one. Assume they didn't mean it and have a forgiving attitude. They didn't mean it. They didn't mean it like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they meant it, but they didn't mean it. They made it pretty clear. That was a pretty interesting statement, but but they didn't mean it. It's okay, Lord. They didn't mean it. I forgive them. In this church, we get the opportunity, I love this, to reflect the love of God to one another by forgiving and believing in one another. I think church is family. Okay, and, and one of the saddest thing is, is, and I hope this doesn't come across, please forgive me if you've journeyed through this, this is not a statement of judgment, but I think sometimes people leaving the church is almost like divorce. And, and we talk about you can't pick, choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And sometimes we put the church in the category, here's the reality. You can't choose your family, and guess what? You can't choose your church. What you got baptized into, what you got birthed into, that's meant to be your church life membership for life. Now, of course, we leave areas with practicalities of that, but... Come on, besides this place suddenly going completely nuts and we turn into a cult, we're absolutely connected into this community. And the beautiful thing is, is we will get it wrong along the way, but the beautiful thing is that the gospel becomes real when we actually say, you know what, we're going to forgive one another. We're going to keep growing together. We're going to move forward. And finally, this is the last one, and I'm going to finish. Familiarity. Familiarity breeds contempt. When we fail to recognize the value in something, it doesn't change its value, but it stops us from experiencing it. I have the greatest wife in the world. You're all great wives here today. You're wonderful. And, but I, I do. I have Amen. Very good. But my wife is wonderful. And, but if I fail to recognize her wonder, it doesn't decrease her value by any measure but it will stop me from experiencing it. We have to be very careful that just because we get to see each other every week, we hang out every week, that we don't stop recognizing the innate experience, value that is just beyond words, that is in each and every one of us. We have to be recaptured by the awe. And, and Acts 2 says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing in the meals, and, and to the prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all when was the last time you came in here and went what this place is amazing look at these people they're incredible let's recapture the awe we have to recapture the awe of how this great this community is and what we have we can forget the world desperately needs the world does not just need a saviour, it needs a community. Let's not become so familiar with this place that we lose the fire to let others know how great it is. We need to be intentionally inclusive community, not just welcoming, but inviting. So the other side of this is not just recapturing the awe for us, but to recapture the awe so we remember people need this. You are not just evangelizing to people to discover Christ, you're helping them discover a community that is going to genuinely help them and love them. Oh, you've got to come to church. Man, these people, they're so loving, they're so gracious, so kind, they're so forgiving. You talk to someone this week, I guarantee it, that will tell you about how their week's not gone so well. And your answer is, hey, I've got some friends that will just love you where you're at. That's the beauty of this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us here today. And Father, where there are areas where we have disconnected, even we're coming to church, but we know we're isolated. And maybe it is because of the busyness of life. We have got so busy in pursuing career or pursuing purpose or trying to provide for our families that we we have forgotten the important things like relationship and community. So I ask Holy Spirit that you remind us here today. Where Lord God, we've been disappointed. We've been let down. I pray that you would heal hearts. God, I pray that as a community, we would do this better, but that you would help individuals forgive people today. Where there are insecurities and fears and anxieties around this. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, that we can be free from all fear. And that as we step into community, as we reach out and we take a risk and we we go the bold, Father, that we will find people that will love people, engage with people and connect them. And Lord, we pray that you would just help us to recapture the awe of this great place, to be mesmerized by it again, so that God, we can treat each other with the proper value, honor and respect due to each and every one of us. Help us, Lord God, to be confident in community,